Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. All right, and here we are, February 19, 2015, Eric Lenty, Patrick Kelly. Um, we were once again the weekday Warriors of Wrestling after doing the last show on the weekend. Um, uh, yeah, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, doing great. Uh, ready to do the show. Should be going. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what do you want to start off with? Do you want to start off with some um, rivals since we didn't do it last week and we're a little bit behind on that? I will say this: sure, I haven't we can do that. The I haven't seen the NXT that came after Rival, so I actually uh, that was the last thing I did last night. I watched it, so yeah. Okay. I'm all caught well, up. Let's let's chat then, because um, I didn't see it last week. Um, I, did, I had other things to do, uh, not prioritizing myself. One of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I saw it the other day, I'd say three days ago, two or three days ago. Um, and I liked it. Um, I didn't, uh, obviously it wasn't as good as, um, our evolution. That's a pretty high bar to measure up. To yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. But I mean, like I heard like a lot of good things about it and I was like, well, oh, maybe it's as good or, you know, whatever. But, you know, um, it, like, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I will, will go, go ahead. Let me get your thoughts on the show before we start delving into the matches themselves. Well, I'm with you. I don't think it's as good as our evolution, uh, but at the same time, I think uh, a lot of they set up a lot of things on this show rather than delivering a bunch of payoffs. So I think it kind of has, yeah, it has a feel to it that they're building towards bigger things down the road. And in doing that, I thought they did quite well with it. I, I really liked the uh, the number one contenders match between Neville and Teller. I thought that was a hell of a match. I did too. I, I probably enjoyed the main event the most. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I guess we can talk about that. And with, I, the only thing, honestly, I did not enjoy about the main event, and this is kind of a theme throughout NXT, and honestly, pro wrestling in general, but WWE is a big offender of this. Um, they, I wish they would establish more finishes. And, like, to give you an example, and I understand, like, it would have kind of interfered with the story that they wanted to tell, but, you know... At one point in the match, Owens picks up Zane, and he does a move that, if I've seen it before, I've forgotten about it, and because it was so fresh and painful looking to me, and he basically like brain buster pile drives him onto his knee, and it was so brutal looking and so um, devastating. I thought having Zane kick out right after it too kills that move, and I thought that move looked so cool and so dangerous. And to me, like, listen, you know what? Sami Zayn is the best babyface in pro wrestling, better than Daniel Bryan. I think he's the best at what he does. Um, he's the most likable guy in pro wrestling, and you don't need him to kick out of 900 power bombs. And, yeah, I get to the point he was just, like, beating the shit out of him, and it's fine. But, like, there comes to a point, and every time I watch Dolph Ziggler's matches, I get this feeling, and, like, the audience is there, but... The audience isn't there, but they're going to get there eventually. Dolph hits a super kick, and he gets a one, two, ah, oh, count every time on that. 
and he hits a famouser, and he gets the same thing. And he, like, you know, he hits his big DDT, and he gets the same thing. Well, you know, if those moves never pin anyone, those one, two, oh, are going to transform into nothing covers really quickly. And I'm not saying that you, like, I'm not one of those old guys that's like, oh, less is more. I mean, to a degree, I, I do agree that less is more a lot of, in a lot of cases. However, you've got to establish finishes if you want anyone to have any sort of suspense of the matches themselves. Like, there's a, you know, a thing that WWE rallied against for, like, a long time was, like, those indie matches where everybody kicks out of everybody's finisher and nothing means anything. It's like an ECW match. And don't get me wrong, there's great things about ECW, but, like, you know, after, like, shooting somebody in the face with a gun and then getting pinned with a frog splash, it's just like, uh, it kind of, like, pulls me out of the moment. And... I, I hate to be the guy because I'm the guy that, that says this all the time, but, you know, I mean, squash matches always help with that because Razor Ramon can pin somebody with a fallaway slam. So then when he used the fallaway slam against Bret Hart in a pay-per-view match and Bret Hart kicked out, you'd be like, oh, shit, Bret Hart kicked out of the fallaway slam. And it was like a bigger deal. And you're getting to that point, like when I watched the Tyler Breeze Hideo Itami match, both of those matches in the past, like within that like two-week span, Tyler Breeze hits the supermodel kick, which we can get to the super kick being overused some other time, but fucking Christ. Like, everybody stop. Um, <laughs> but he, he hits that move, and then he goes for the pin, and it's like, it's kind of a big deal, but it's like Tyler Breeze has never pinned anybody with that move. So like, it's going to wear off pretty shortly. And he named um, it, too. And there are plenty of examples to highlight what you're talking about, not just in NXT, but in just wrestling in yeah, general. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that because I noticed that, you know? And it was like, mm-hmm. it was... But go on, go on. Oh, no, but you're absolutely right. Uh, one of my big things uh, towards the end of Undertaker's career, and you know, assuming his career is still going, is uh, I think in the last decade or so, he never beat anybody with the choke slam, but it would always be a one-two kickout in every single one of his matches. And it got to a point where JR said during one of his matches where, oh, my God, nobody kicks out of the choke slam. I'm like, what Undertaker matches have you been watching for the last decade? Because he kicks out of the guys kick out of Undertaker's choke slam a lot, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I see it all the time, and squash matches would definitely help with that. Actually, you know, going into this past episode of NXT, Adrian Neville hit Kevin Owens with that reverse Hurricane Rana that he does. It looks amazing, and it looks just brutal as hell. But I've never seen him with anybody with it, so why should I care? Absolutely. And I think like, you know, to go back to Undertaker for a second there, there was a time period and it was, I would say from the, kind of happened in the Randy Orton Batista matches, but it really picked up with the Shawn Michaels, Triple H, the CM Punk Mm -hmm. matches. And then you paid for it with a Brock Lesnar match. And he would like tombstone people and people would always, I don't think the first tombstone pinned anyone in any of those matches. Like I could be, like, like, Punk kicked out, uh, Sean kicked out of, I think, maybe two. Um, Triple H kicked out of at least one. Um, and Brock kicked out of it. And, you know, it's fine if you do that once in a while. And I get that Undertaker only wrestles once a year. And it worked for, like, three to four years. But even in the Punk match, which is, like, the best match of that WrestleMania, you're kind of like, well, I know it's going to happen. And the things that worked about the match weren't the near falls, which I cannot, like, stress enough to pro wrestling fans. Near falls do not make a good match. Can they make a good match? Absolutely. But just because there's a shitload of false finishes, that's not 
the only way to have a good pro wrestling match. And I cannot fucking stand it when, like, people are like, oh, yeah, that match was great because fucking Kurt Angle was, like, looked like he was going to get pinned. And they're like, shut up. Like, oh, broaden your horizons or something. But, you know, so it became the most well, I can do that. I mean, if you yeah. want to do nothing but win two kickouts all day long, I could do that with no training. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. I demand, you know, bigger things than that, or more meaningful, substantial things. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. There are some of the best matches have, like, tons of false finishes. There's also some of the best matches that don't. And the things that work in the Punk-Undertaker match are not the false finishes. The things that work are Undertaker being in the GTS and sitting up. Punk mm-hmm. doing the, the, um, uh, the old school. Punk doing the Undertaker talk. That the character stuff work, is what works the most in that match. Um, but going back to NXT, you know. Oh, the best spot uh, in that Taker Punk match. Sorry to cut you off, but the best uh, spot in that is the Anaconda Vice spot. That, that yeah, amazing. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. And like, like you got like it's that is worth to me like four like tombstone kickouts, you know. And then of course you did that shit so much that when Brock beat them, everybody's like, oh, that's the finish. And everybody's like, like, everybody's like shocked. Okay. Yes. You're going to be shocked if after 21 years, he fucking loses. But it was just like, the finish was like, huh? I mean, I remember that's what everybody thought. And, um, and it was three F fives and you would think that that would beat anybody, but no. Yeah. After the super kick pedigree combo, you're just like, "Eh." um, (laughs) so, (laughs) Anyway, um, but back to NXT, um, you know, so that was the thing I noticed that I would like to see improve and, like, you know, um, but on top of that, I really enjoyed the Owens-Zayn match. I really liked how it was booked. I think both guys came out, to use a, to use a Roman Reigns catchphrase, looking really strong. Um, I mean, Owens just, I mean, Owens essentially has been built up as Diet Brock Lesnar. I don't mean that as a slight. I mean it in a, in a compliment. Is this guy who's this big, brawly, burly brawler who just wants to beat you up and get paid. Sami Zayn, like, whether Owens is telling the truth about it not being personal or not, Sami Zayn cannot understand this because Sami Zayn is, like, the sting of this generation. He's like, what? what? You attacked me! And we love Sami Zayn for that, but he's just incapable of understanding this. And Owens is like, I just want to make money. And um, he, he it, in, in very much what they did in the John Cena-Brock Lesnar match at SummerSlam, they... Um, you know, Owen smashes him for like 75% of the match and Zane gets some good hope spots in and he, he hits his head in that, that awesome, um, uh, plancha that he does or a uh, tope, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, and you know, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the match where he's just like concussed and he looks out of it. And, um, Owen's just power bombs the shit out of him. And I liked all that to me. You didn't need as many kickouts in that match as they put in there. Like, I'm not going to think less of Sammy Zane because he like, kicks out of a power bomb. Like to me, Owens just keep power bombing him over and over until Sammy Zane's like a hunk of like, you know, uh, like butcher meat is, is works for me. It gets the point across and it like, doesn't like demean the moves in any way, you know, but I, I did overall, I did enjoy it a lot. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, talking about little touches and everything, I think my favorite part of that match, and I thought it really heightened the strengths of both characters where, uh, Owens had just powerbombed Sammy for like the, I think it was the second time, second or third, and he puts his hands on his chest to pin him in like a cocky way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Sammy just kind of weakly rolls yeah, over onto his shoulder. Good. That <laughs> was really good. No, no, I was agreeing with you. I, 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 like, I, I think that was really well done because it was like Owens is like, I'm not even going to attempt to do anything, and 
you know, I'm just going to mercifully let you go here. And then Zane, uh, like, you know, it's not a strong kick out. He doesn't like beat the count, but he's like, you could see his will is there. And yeah, I agree with you. I, I totally agree that that was, that was one of the peak moments there. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I'm with you. That was a very well booked, very, very good match. And I look forward to seeing what, uh, I almost called him Steam. I look forward to seeing what Owens is like as champion. Cause NXT, since I've been watching them, they really haven't had a strong heel champion. They kind of teased going heel with Adrian Neville, but they didn't go all the way with it. And Bo Dallas was good, but he yeah, was more, Dallas a was more of a weasel, a weasel champion. Yeah, I agree. Right, right. They, absolutely. They, they so now we have a big monster as the heel champion. I want to see what NXT can do with that. Yeah, no, and I, I think I think those, um, you know, I, and I would, I, and this is just almost semantics. I would consider them, and the same thing with Brock Lesnar. I consider them more brutes, and like as opposed to like as like a Kane or an Undertaker, like you know, mm-hmm. monster in in that sense. But the idea that these are just brawlers that are just going to beat the shit out of you, and they they would like they would fight you as soon as look at you. And I I, I think there's value, and I mean I I think Lesnar's title reign has been like. Despite the critics, and I think there is validity to what they say, despite the critics, I think Brock's title reign has been one of the um, strongest ones they've had in quite some time. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, it's going to, if they blow it all on Reigns or whoever, it's going to mean nothing. But, you know, for what they've done, Brock Lesnar has been utilized expertly in that role. And I think uh, NXT could benefit from someone like Owens, you know, and, and the, the, it's the same thing you and I say, like, you know, you have to book them strong. I mean, there's different ways to book different types of heel characters. If you're, you're booking like a Ric Flair or a, or a Bo Dallas, that's going to be different from how you book a Brock Lesnar. And even that, that's going to be different from how you book a Shawn Michaels or, a, uh, or an Undertaker in those different roles. You know? So it, it, it's all about finding what works for that character. But I, I, think, you know, I think Triple H is a good like, handle on how to do that. And uh, we'll see. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to Balor and Owens. I think that'll be... Um, um, I think that'll be very good. I'll tell you what, I wasn't incredible. I, not to say the match wasn't good or anything. I, I don't want to give that impression. I wasn't terribly impressed with the Tyler Breeze Hideo Itami match that opened the really? show. Really? I, I thought it was a good opening. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really a match of the year candidate or anything, but I just thought it was, I thought it was good. I guess I expected more from them because, um, because first of all, it's very similar to their match a few weeks ago. Second of all, which I, you know, I guess with both Balor and Tommy, with them adjusting, and I, I think that's the thing, because their best match has been against each other in that uh, tournament match and mm-hmm. also against the Ascension. The Ascension, you don't have to do anything, because the Ascension, honestly, they don't do anything. They just squash guys. So, like, they're kind of a blank palette, so you could just do all their moves to them and, you know, whatever. And also it was built up for, like, you know, almost a year that they were unbeatable. So that's not, you know, I, I think it might be a, a Tommy and Balor kind of adjusting to these different guys. You'll notice that Balor had a great match with a guy he's wrestled multiple times in Adrian Neville, and they, that uh, Tommy and Balor had a great match against each other, and they wrestled against each other. I'm not saying they're, they're not talented, because we know they are. We've seen them in XXT put on some stuff. But I, I think there is still a kind of an acclimation period. And I, I felt like I noticed that a little bit in Tyler Breeze versus uh, Hideo Itami. Um it was good. It was a good booking wise. It was good. And it was a strong win for Atami. And I think he needs that. You can kind of do something with Tyler where he's like, you know, whether he's losing it, I, I think there's different ways to go. I think they went the right way booking wise. Um, but it didn't like, you know, it didn't blow me away. Um, and I guess after seeing what Tyler did with Sami Zayn, however long ago in that mm-hmm. amazing match and seeing what, um, 
Hideo Itami had just done with Balor, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I was kind of primed for a little something more. But not to say, once again, it was, it was a bad match or anything. It was just like I, maybe my expectations were a little bit above where they should have been. Um, but there was a match that they threw on there at the last minute. They didn't. I don't think they made the match official until the day before the show. So. Yes, yes. Yeah, it may have been to, to fill some space, yeah, and to get both of those guys on there since Tyler wasn't on our evolution. And theoretically, he's one of your main guys down there, so you want to have him on the show. Um, yeah, and let me okay. talk about the NXT 5, which is it's Neville, Owens, Zane, uh, Itami, and Balor. And I'm like, I put Tyler Breeze up with that group. I, I know he doesn't have the indie following that they do, but I think he's one of the more well-rounded guys he's, in NXT. He's the has. best character guy they have, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I would say straight up Neville might be the best worker. Mm-hmm. It just like, and you know what? I, and maybe I'm being like Vince McMahon here because I'm always, I've said to you multiple times, I'm like, I don't think Neville has a character. I don't think Neville has a character. He's just a good worker. But like almost every time I see Neville, he has a great match. So I'm just like, at what point does my stuff like just like, at what point does it not mean anything? You know, because like if he keeps putting on the great matches, who fucking cares? But I think well, Neville's I think, probably uh, the best. Neville not being good on the mic or anything, and he's not terrible on the mic, but him not being as strong a character as some of those other guys. You can still work with those guys and have great matches with them and make guys like Balor and Breeze look like a million bucks. So Absolutely. You can put him that? in that, like, Dean Malenko position, and I, yeah. I think that would be, like, perfect for him. Um, I, I think Zane's the best baby face. I, I think Zane's the best baby face in wrestling. Like, there's – I mean, to me, he's like Sting. And to, when people are always like, oh, Hogan was such a great baby face. And when I was a kid, I was always like – I never even – I actually, you know – I watched, when I really got into wrestling, as people listening probably know the story, like it was always the ladder match with Sean and Razor, but I did watch a little bit before that, notably Sting's feud with Vader. That was a little bit before it, right? That was like a, a few months, and, right? Okay, that was actually what got me into WCW. The first match of theirs I saw was Great American Bash 92. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I saw a little bit of that, and to me, it was no question that Sting was the be- was much better babyface than Hogan could ever be. First of all, he was much better looking. And I, I like for people who are like, oh God, like you can't base it on looks. The fuck I can't. Vince McMahon does it every time he picks a dude. So yeah, I will. <laughs> Roman Reigns has a great look. God damn it. Yeah. Second of all, Sting to me was just like whereas Hogan was like he would bite, he would scratch. He was like you, you know, Sting was just like noble. And the thing against Sting was always like, you're so goddamn gullible, Sting. But Sting was always like Captain America. He was always like, I'm going to give people a chance. He was this guy we, we, we strive to be, whether he was, you know, um, you know, uh, idiotic for it or what. And of course, it, at some point, you're like, Jesus, Sting, stop it. And then he went, you know, crow and, you know, did all that. But to me, Sting was always a great baby face. And that's what Zane reminds me of so much. He's just like, Sammy's a little gullible, but gosh darn it, he's so likable. He has the thing that they wish Cena had. And like, like you know, they, like, well, the problem with Cena is that it's forced, and people absolutely. can kind of tell that it's forced. I mean, Cena's a frat boy. That is who he is, and like you know, for better or for worse, that's not likable to most people. And Cena can sign all the you know, you know, the the sick children's arms he wants. I mean, that is what he like puts off, and people that's that's what it is. And I mean, to me, Zane is just like a guy who's like, yeah. Like, you could meet him on the street, but like, hey, let's go, like, hang out, play some cards or something. Come on, let's go. You know, he's just so likable. It's like him and Bailey have just such a likability about them that, that uh, on top of the fact that they have an incredible amount of charisma, that it, it works so well. But um, 
Yeah, no, I, I would put – we got off on a tangent there. I would put Tyler <laughs> up there as well. Um, uh, do, 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 do. What else was there? Oh, I really like the women's match, actually. Yeah, that was very good as well. I'm usually not a big fan of doing a title change in multi – well, in this case, multi-woman matches because a lot of times the champion doesn't get beat and it just kind of creates kind of an anti-climax for me. But here I thought they did it all very well, and all four girls I thought really held their own. I did, I, I agree with you. I thought, I thought it was good because it, it, Sasha looked great because she, she looked strategic with the way she kept the others out of the ring – Charlotte didn't really lose, but she did lose. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's a way where you can get a rematch out of it. You don't feel like Sasha stole it, but you don't feel like Charlotte lost it either. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of <laughs> how it came off to me. Like, both, it's one of those matches that Patrick and I always talk about where, like, everybody gets over, and it's great, and that's, like, how you, you raise your whole company by having those matches because then everybody looks good. Um and yeah, Bailey is still the scrappy underdog, and she's the one that I want to ultimately get the belt. Which is, I agree. Which is I good. think Bailey's the Sami Zayn for for that division. Here's the thing that I noticed in this match too, and I don't. Once again, in the same way that I was talking about the Tyler Breeze Hideo match, I, I don't want it to be like a negative thing. It's just the thing I noticed, and I don't know if it can be improved. You look at the four girls. You look at Charlotte, and she's supposed to be kind of a face, but people kind of like hate her more than they should. But she gets, you know, re- she gets decent, big reactions. Sasha, who you're supposed to hate, but people cheer her way more than they probably should. She gets large reactions. Bailey is universally loved. To me, Becky Lynch is so devoid of charisma. I'm not saying she's not a good worker, because she is. But to me, it's like, there's just, there's a lack of charisma with her that just is so striking in that match. I don't know if you saw it or you have an opinion on that, but that's really what I noticed in that match, is that the three of those are like stars, and, and she's just the fourth know. one sharing the spotlight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I don't, well, I don't. I thought she was there to eat the pin, and I thought that's why they put her in the match. That's, I, I thought the same thing. I thought the same exact thing. And they didn't do it, which I kind of liked as a, you know, to to shift that. But and once again, it's not a thing where I'm like, oh, give up on her or whatever. But I don't know if there's improvement there. But it was just very stark in that match to see to as far as comparison. Kind of a blank slate right now. They haven't really done much with her to really establish much of anything. So. I don't know. I take this man. I mean, again, she's she's not a bad worker, so she did look good in this match in terms of like holding her own physically. So maybe they can use that as a springboard to establish something with her down the road. But yeah, okay. I mean, because I mean, at the end of the day, like you know, it's all about establishing a connection with that character, and like you know, and it's like, and and she has cred. She's she's a legit wrestler, and that's not like. But, I mean, at the same time, you look at someone like Carmella, who was like a, a, a New England uh, Patriot cheerleader and an L.A. Laker dancer, and she's out there and she gets it. And she's like, you know, like she had that match with um, uh, Emma. With, no, no, oh, with Emma. Emma. Um, and, you know, she like, she buys, she, she jumps into that character and you, you totally believe it. And, you know, yeah, so, she doesn't get enough credit. I, I'm with you. I think as far as performing her character goes, I think she does very well. I, I think it's, I think it's the lack of indie following. I, and I think WWE needs to understand that when they bring people in that like, you know, if you bring in a Daniel Bryan, if you bring in a Hideo Itami, um, a Kevin Owens, they're going to have more of a following. I mean, you need to embrace that. But I, I yeah, I, I think she's, she's quite good. And I think with the, with the lack of experience she has, she's, um, uh, she gets it, and I, I think that's important to know because if they're always looking for that ne- next Trish Stratus. I mean, you're, every model is not going to be Trish Stratus, but, you know, if you, there's uh, clearly some people are going to take to it quicker than others. I mean, dancers, to me, 
um, seem like a much better fit because wrestling and dance are a lot more related than people would like to admit. And I think if you're, um, you know, I mean, athletic performance is what they both are. And if you understand uh, how to flow and how to connect um, uh, sequences in a dance, then, you know, uh, obviously wrestling has and a prop factor to too. It. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that's something worth looking into as opposed to just Hawaiian tropic models who were, like, standing there and, you know, doing nothing. Um, like, oh, my God, I'm here wrestling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to bring this up because I thought this was interesting. Um, before we get to Raw, which I wasn't just not into this show. I just didn't care. I, I don't even have anything to say. I was just like, eh. It wasn't even bad. It was just like I just didn't care, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. They're, they set up the pay-per-view, and that's pretty much all they did. Okay. I want to show um, – or not show. I want to talk about a poll. I don't know if – have you heard about this? Uh, maybe. This sounds – I think it I know you're It was a poll that was on the WWE second screen experience on the app. And this is what the poll says, for those of you who have not heard of this. It says, why do you think many in the WWE universe are reluctant to support Roman Reigns? And there's four choices on this poll. Oh, dear. And they are, they like Daniel Bryan better. They don't like Reigns' speaking style. They don't appreciate his in-ring performances, or they're jealous, plain and simple. To me, this was, like, fucking hilarious. Like, I can't get a big enough kick out of this thing, because number one, they're, like, clearly confused about this. They have fucking no idea. And then they're like being snarky about the whole goddamn thing and like insulting people who don't like him. Because here's what they're saying. First of all, they don't appreciate his in-ring performances. Like, that's your fault, pal. Like, you could, these matches are fucking good and you just don't get it. Like, I mean, like, the matches are not good. Like, let's... That's a Michael Bay attitude right there. Uh, it really is. And, I mean, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin talked about how he doesn't think Roman Reigns is ready on his podcast. He talked about it in the Royal Rumble. He, he said he basically took a nap in the corner. I want to point out, WWE, that Stone Cold Steve Austin knows a little something about professional wrestling, and he's the guy you promote as your biggest star ever all the fucking time. So maybe, you know, there's something to that. Like, you can insult, like, Eric Clancy's opinion and Patrick Kelly's opinion, that's fine. But Stone Cold Steve Austin has something to say about this. He doesn't think Roman Reigns is very good right now. Um, the other one, they don't like his speaking style. The, like, the fact that he stares off in a space because he forgets his lines or he mixes up words or he doesn't seem confident. Like, they don't... Suck a cash. Yeah, that was I hard mean... to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wink! And like, no, he's not as cool. It's like, they just don't like, or they're jealous, plain and simple. Oh yeah, yeah, we're fucking jealous. We're je- yeah, okay. So like, wouldn't they be jealous of every pro wrestler who's like famous and rich and like, you know? I mean, come on. Um, but it's just so funny to me, and and I love the idea that, and nobody's really brought this up, and they're like, oh, Roman Reigns, he's getting backlash because it's obvious WWE is pushing him. And for, if I said this last week, stop me, because I can't remember if I was just thinking about this or if I've said this already, Patrick. So okay. just, just be, on, be on the lookout here. 
Yet nobody points out that Seth Rollins is being pushed as hard as Reigns on the other side of the heel babyface coin, and nobody has a problem with it. Not one person. <laughs> you did not mention this last week, but you are absolutely right. It's it's just, and, how many guys that get a mega push get this negative of a reaction? They make it sound like it's a common thing that happens. Oh, we're pushing the new guys, so people are resistant to it. I'm like, no, even Batista, when he first got pushed, was pretty universally liked. Am I wrong? Yes, I yeah, I, I did not. But the the most people, I would say, you you did not hear any booze for a long right. time with Batista. Um, well, and the thing is, I, I can hear somebody saying, "Well, Seth is a heel, so you, if you hear the booze, they're like they're mixed in with the other booze that they're getting from the universe." Okay, fair point. However, people are giving Seth standing ovations at the end of his matches with like Brock Lesnar and John Cena and stuff. So. Even if the idea is like, oh, Seth's a heel, so you can't detect it. Yeah, but nobody's fucking clamoring on social media to cancel the the network because Seth's in a main event or that Seth's not taking his, his fair share of the, the workload. I mean, like, honestly, like, come on. Look at it objectively. Do you have a problem with Seth Rollins? Because all I've seen Seth Rollins do since being thrust into the spotlight is improve. All I've seen Roman Reigns do is regress. So, like, honestly, think about it. Is it because he's getting the push, or is it because he's just not good and people aren't into him that much? They're just not that into him. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, WWE is just like, we fucking randomly pick this guy, and they're, and, and they're not into it. Like, the idea that you picked this guy a year ago, which, if you remember the reports that came out a year ago, they were like, people say, like, backstage they think Roman Reigns is the guy to take over from John Cena. I mean, that was basically when we heard it. It was, like, in April that, that they were going to run with Roman Reigns. And, and yeah. I mean, you don't think it's wrong to just pick a guy after he's had zero singles runs, a, admittedly... Yeah, don't you want to groom guys first before you start making calls like that? Yeah, I mean, like, and people always think they're like, they, they think it happens instantly. And I guess in the case of Hulk Hogan, it did. But, like, Steve Austin, like, yeah, Austin, Hogan, I mean, he had a run up there in New York before his big baby face run that was, you know, moderately successful, but he wasn't, like, a gigantic name. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but you look at, like, Austin 316, that happened in June 1996. He won the title in March 1998. It almost took two years before they did that. I'm not saying. You just hold off on guys to hold off. But Roman Reigns either ain't the guy or he ain't ready. And also, you don't need to have a fucking one guy that you just push incessantly for the next 10 years. I'm going to point out what a fucking train wreck that was for the last 10 years you did it and how apparently John Cena was packing arenas, but you've also done absolutely nothing to grow your ratings to grow your business in any creative terms, like, yes, okay, you make money by, like, squeezing the last bit of money out of a hardcore fan or expanding into new territories, that's not real growth. That's just you guys spinning the numbers because you like a guy. So the idea that, like, there's a guy, I mean, that's so stupid. Any, any guy, quote-unquote, that's been there for an extended period of time in the television era has been either a failure or there for a short period of time. I want to point out, Hulk Hogan, who was not in the cable TV primetime era, was got stale very quickly, and he was in the era where you saw house shows or a Saturday night uh, main event special every once in a while. Stone Cold Steve Austin essentially went from 1998 to 2000, and he was, like, injured for some of that, and he came back fully in 2001, and then he was gone again pretty much. 
So The Rock was there for like three years. None of these guys last that long, and they shouldn't. I mean, how many TV shows do you watch, and it's just this one main character, and it never gets old? Breaking Bad lasted for what? Essentially five seasons, and that was written by people who are a lot smarter than people writing WWE. I mean, Mad Men at least switches around between Don Draper and, like, Pete Campbell and stuff. I mean, like, come on. Plus, the fact is, like, you're, you don't have the writing or just the space creatively to do the things that they do on, like, Game of Thrones or anything. Plus, Game of Thrones, Thrones don't main characters left and right. Also, Game of Thrones, you see a character, like, ten minutes a week, and then it's off to the next character because there's, like, 40 of them. So it's like, you know, you're not going to – it doesn't work that way. So the idea that Roman Reigns is going to be the guy, and then you're going to give 365 days of Roman Reigns a year, 52 weeks of television, probably more, and three hours at each of those, and nobody's going to get sick of them? Come on. Like, I like Daniel Bryan, and you shouldn't do that with him. Like, it, it's just such a dumb idea. It's not like a quarterback that you get, and then you're like, oh, he's going to be the guy for the next, like, 12 years. Okay, cool. He's got to fucking compete against people. It's not entertain us and keep us glued to our seats the entire time. And that's just a recipe for, for disaster. Absolutely. I'm 100% right, aren't I? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I have nothing to add to that. You you hit it all. So what else are we talking about? Uh, what else happened? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, what are they going to What do you think they're going to do with Fastlane? Like a double count-out? The thing is, can you end a show on a double count-out? Because the last time they did that was, like, Battleground. Everybody, like, that was, like, one of the universally most hated shows they've ever done. <laughs> Personally, I think, I think they're so stubborn about Roman Reigns at this point that they're just going to go with him. And, Here's my point. You don't think Daniel Bryan's in there? No, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna run with Reigns. I at this point, no, no, I do. No, no, I, no, I, I know I last month at the Rumble, I, I was think... trying to be positive, but I'm just like, no. I think they've got their heart set on Roman Reigns. Well, no, no. I, I don't. I do not disagree that Roman Reigns will win the title at WrestleMania. But like, um, did you not hear like the reports? Did we not talk about this like a few weeks no. ago when they decided Daniel Bryan's going to be in the title match? See, I've heard, like, three or four different reports. Like, I keep hearing there's going to be Ziggler versus Bryant. No, that was, I mean, that for a while, yes. And then a, like, maybe a week and a half ago. Maybe we didn't do yeah. the show that week, and that was it. But they, they said that there was a meeting, and Vince was going said he wanted to put Bryant into the triple threat, with apparently them still going with Reigns, but um, Daniel Bryan was going to be in it because... You know, it, it would be a goddamn disaster if he wasn't. But um, yeah, so that's funny. From what, so what is this going to be an annual tradition where they just put Daniel Bryan in a triple threat just to appease here, everybody? Here's how you fucking stop it: you have him win the goddamn Royal Rumble, and then he fucking goes in. Like, I, I like the idea. Like, there's these, there's this movement, and this always happens when like some like popular opinion is is on the IWC, which is such a generalized, stupid term. Um, people will like take the opposite opinion just because and they'll go they're like oh well what is this gonna happen every year you can't just keep putting daniel bryan in the main event why the fuck not 
You put Steve Austin in the main event every what, – what, in 1999, would you be like, I don't know, Steve Austin won the past two Royal Rumbles. I think it's getting pretty old now. I don't think we should do that. If everybody's fucking clamoring for it, you should probably do that. Like, I, I, it, it boggles my mind how they're like, oh, you don't want to go to the well one too often with that. What the fuck? You go to the well all the time with John Cena. John Cena's got a condo next to the well. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's the thing I don't understand with booking wrestling. It's like, all right, all you wrestling promoters out there, Vince, especially you, you do know the fans tell you who they like, right? I mean, that should be the easy part of the job, who to push. I mean, the fans tell you who they like and what they want to see, and why do you fight them? I don't get that. Well, it's this, it's this idea that, like, oh, well, you know, it's like Daniel Bryan, like, you know, he, he's, he's popular on the Internet, but he's, he's not, like, he's not fucking popular on the Internet. He's popular in fucking America. Like, I'm sorry. You don't, it's not just a, a select group of people that, like, infiltrate all these arenas and then he gets the biggest reactions. Like, I can't, you can't fucking, like, <laughs> you can't, like, have a conspiracy like that. The idea is, like, oh, you know, I like Daniel Bryan, too. There's this awful, awful podcast. Um, if you ever want just a stupid bunch of people talking and being horrible at it, it's uh, chair shot reality. And Justin Labar is the main guy and he's terrible. Like he's, his opinions are the worst. If, if you want to waste your time, go listen to it. But he, he's, he's adamant that Roman Reigns needs to win because it's good for business or something. And he has no opinions of his own or something. I don't know. So, um, and then he's like, it's good for business because the WWE told me it was. Yeah, like, come on. Uh, so then the, the uh, you know, they, they talk about, oh, Daniel Bryan, you know, he, like, he just doesn't, he doesn't sell tickets. What the fuck? Are, what do you mean? Like, I, I want everybody to go and look at the goddamn ratings. You can get them online. Go to TV by the numbers. It's a blog that tracks Nielsen ratings. I want you to go back and look at when Daniel Bryan was th- there and John Cena was not there. They're not the greatest numbers, but then John Cena comes back, and guess what? Still not the greatest numbers. Like, I, what is this magical fucking financial figures that I'm not privy to that everybody else is? And they're just like, and they like justify it to themselves, so they think that they they can get through the next month because oh well that that's the reason they put Cena or that's the reason they put Roman Reigns. I swear to God, in all metrics that I can see, because they will not show me merchandise sales, they will not show the public who sells what as far as T-shirts and shit. There is fucking no difference between John Cena and anyone else as far as ratings. I'm sorry. Like, if you're a big Cena fan, fine. I'm not saying don't have Cena on the show or whatever, but I'm, he's never made a bump in the Nielsen rating. It's true. You can look these things up. I don't know what else to tell you. But the idea that, like, Daniel Bryan's small so that people don't watch him is a fallacy. That may be true, but the fact is he was – he was having those entire arenas cheer him for a year, and John Cena was having them boo him, and and they don't make any difference on the ratings. Who are you going to pick? Like, I don't understand. You're going to pick the guy that everybody boos, even though there's no marketable difference in ratings? And as far as merchandise sales, John Cena apparently sells more based on what they tell me, and they've been known to always be truthful, and the fact that he's had 10 fucking years – I'm sorry, 13 years – to get to that point come on like end the charade now because the idea that like it's this magical business acumen that vince is it's not true 
And Roman Reigns doesn't move the dial either. And when we see him there and he, he wins the title and people turn off because it's WrestleMania season, they'll be like, oh, well, it's, uh, it's, Dolph, it's fucking Dolph Ziggler or Bray Wyatt. And they'll, they'll spin the numbers like they always do. So, you know, keep thinking well, here's what you want to think. question. But... What were the house show numbers like when Daniel Bryan wasn't there for seven months or whatever it was? I mean, did it make any difference? I mean, okay, uh, the ratings. Was... Did they rise or fall with Daniel Bryan was there or not, or or is there no difference at all whatsoever? I mean, so. they, they they did like like I can't imagine they like plunged or anything. I I think they stayed around the same because it like yeah. it is what it is, and like I mean, but basically, my point is, is it Daniel Bryan's fault that they didn't sell tickets for the seven months that he was gone? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. I know. I agree with what you're saying. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's like it. it yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, like, to me, Daniel Bryan sells more merchandise than Roman Reigns. If you, so if you're one of those Cena merch people, you can put, point to that. Um, Does Roman even have a shirt? Yeah, he, it's not good, but it's, um, yeah, he's got a few of them. Um, but, you know, I mean, you you can't go by what WWE tells them. They're fucking carny. They, they're, like, lie for a business. Like, you can go ahead and you can see the ratings because they can't touch that. Because those are available, and if they weren't, oh boy, I'd, I'd wonder what they'd say about those. But um, the ratings. Did you know lie. that more people watch the WWE than anything else on the planet? Yeah, I know. Based on all their like skewed metrics, I also want to point out when like people point out they're like, "Oh, WWE had the had the highest amount of viewers in like however many years." No, they fucking didn't. Not for all intents and purposes. I mean, I say this on our podcast all the time, and I'm getting sick of saying it, but, like, people keep talking about it. It doesn't fucking matter how many total viewers you have. I cannot say that enough. I, like, you could have 10 million viewers. I do not give a shit. If you do not have the demo, which is the, like, you might as well say, well, the, there was a large number of parrots watching at that point, because that's how much it matters to anyone. The fucking 18 to 49-year-old demo is what they care about. Like, that's it. That's the only thing anyone talks about. If you talk to anybody in advertising, in television, whatever, that's what they talk about. So the idea that they're like, they have more viewers, like nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's not a real rise in ratings. So when they come up with these numbers, and like there are all these weird-ass numbers that they'll always use. They'll use share numbers, which like nobody cares. They'll use total viewers, which nobody pays attention to. And they'll never talk about the demo. The demo is what people were interested about in the in the um, in the Attitude Era. That's when WWE was beating football. People get confused about this because pro football would have much higher total numbers than WWE or anything. But you know, WWE was getting like I don't know, like like uh, eight million viewers or ten million viewers. I don't know, but they're getting a seven in the demo, and that's like that's like what kind of what The Walking Dead gets now. That's why people <laughs> cared. They didn't get. They didn't care because, like, I like NCIS has like 25 million viewers, but it has like a three in the demo. I mean, granted, that's probably good for network TV at this point, but nobody gives a shit because nobody cares what your total viewers are. But that does not stop people from talking about wrestling, talking about oh, they get the highest number. Shut the fuck up for two seconds. God, nobody knows what anything means anymore. It's just so ridiculous. Well, when you have the WWE constantly telling you all these things for years, and you got to look at it this way, a lot of the kids that were born like 10 years ago have grown up with this. So they, they don't know. I mean, they, they don't know. Uh, they just believe everything that everything Vince tells them. Yeah, and there's all these stocks. But Jimmy Waller's a legend. 
Right, and he deserved yeah. that WWE title shot, and he yeah. deserved it completely. And forget the fact that he'd been an announcer for 20 years, and it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and he probably raped someone. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, once, again, once again, if you're going with Roman Reigns, like, fine, but don't pretend it's a business decision. And so many people are like, it's better for business. It's not. Number one, and they said it themselves, like, Vince and Triple H have, like, have said it in reports. They're like, they don't care what people do with WrestleMania because they know that they could put Doink the Clown on WrestleMania will sell. Then why are you putting the guy everybody hates? Like, if it's going to sell, like, I don't, it's such a counterproductive attitude. Like, if it's going to sell, then why not put the guy everybody likes? So then you don't piss off anybody. Because then you don't have to worry about ratings or anything because it's just going to fucking sell. Which, by the way, the it's going to sell no matter what is is very different from a few years ago when they're like, oh, no, no, The Rock and John Cena are the reason people are ordering. Oh, yeah? Oh, it's funny. Funny how that little thing switched around a few years later. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, no, I have no doubt they'll, they'll, they'll do the triple threat. It's just like, uh, what are they going to do, like a double count out this weekend, or are they just going to have Roman go over him? Because I think that would be a mistake. It would be, especially, okay, if your goal is to make Roman Reigns into a star, and Okay, play devil's advocate here. Let's assume that's a good idea, which we've already gone on and on about how it's not. Uh, Let's assume that it is. To get Roman to that point, I would not have him beat the guy that everybody likes. That is going to establish him as a heel. Which, by the way, they're kind of doing anyway with how he's talking. So it's like (laughs) they have no clue. Like, Like always, they have no clue what they're doing. So, ugh. Anyway, I didn't well, really... make this guy into a megastar and not put on a good show. They're, you know, they've, they're pulling the horse yeah. before the carriage or whatever. whatever however the whole thing they're pulling the They're pulling the carriage through a shit-covered stream and uh, <laughs> and hoping we, we all die of dysentery before we get to Oregon. But um, <laughs> I, I think that's honestly all I can stand for today because Raw was so boring to me and NXT was so much more enjoyable, so... I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, Okay. Yeah, so, all right, ladies and gents, uh, enjoy Fastlane. I'm going to the Islanders uh, uh, Canucks game on uh, Sunday, so I'm going to miss it because fuck that. I'll Um, probably watch Better Call Saul, which is, oh, no, that's on Monday. No, it's on Monday. It's on Monday. Yeah, we have, um, have you seen the episodes yet? Yeah, I've seen the first two. It's pretty good. Okay. We have, I think, six more episodes to go in Breaking Bad and I'm spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it I'm very upset of Mike Ermintrap dying um, so <laughs> so there we go um, and well yeah, probably so, get even more upset yeah well shut up stop it um, alright so <laughs> so we'll we'll, we'll we'll touch base with you guys back next week thank you so much for joining us uh, however you're listening to it we definitely appreciate it And uh, this is Eric Clancy and Patrick Kelly, and we are signing off.